I mean, I cannot tell you the amount of mentoring that I've done with people that, you know, they didn't apply for a job because they saw that you had to have X degree. And I said, well, I don't have any degree. And I became the vice president of a 200 plus million dollar company. <laughs> Hi, welcome to the Melrose Show. Melrose here. If you've listened to this intro before, you can click the forward button now eight times to get to the start of this episode. So, before this version of myself, I was Anne artist, fashion designer, professional model, TV personality, small business owner, real estate agent, placement agent, and an institutional financial advisor, all before stepping into my current role, which I love, in investor relations and podcasting professional. Woo! It was a wild ride to get here. And after all those jobs, living in six countries, 16 different cities, and trying on many versions of myself, I have found that... The best place to live is comfortably in my purpose and in a space and a community that allows me and wants to see me grow. And I want the same for you. Through my highly versatile career path and working with others on their dreams along the way, I decided to start this podcast to try to help people understand that life is not a race, it's a marathon, career is not a ladder, it's a jungle gym, and that I really believe truly the best way in life is following curiosity my curiosity has me focused on career plants shadow light and integration work art permaculture and community building these are my purposes in life and for me they all go together they're topics that we will explore together throughout time on this podcast and I come here to connect you to unique ideas from incredible people. The aim is to help us all grow more into our purpose-driven lives. This podcast supports a community of amazing humans that meet on full moons to howl and heal. We are a global community. Many are interviewed on this podcast. And I invite you to join us offline after the show. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this exploration journey with people from around the world who have self-actualized in their lives in some way. Hopefully, they will inspire you in your own authentic journey. Enjoy. Okay. Hey, everybody. Today, we are joined by Donna Lopez, founder and chief executive officer at Making Lemonade, a branding and marketing company for an empowered beauty community. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much, Mel. I'm so excited to be here. It's been a super long time since I've done anything like this. I'm really excited to be here. Well, I think once your company has its official launch, you're going to be doing this a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly hope so. Yes. I mean, I love doing these, so I'm really excited and thank you for uh, the opportunity to join you and uh, in the beginning of this, you know, amazing journey that I'm on. (laughs) Yes, you are. You are one of the first, uh, uh, high energy women that is coming on the podcast. And, um, one of the reasons that we wanted, I wanted to have you as a guest on here is because your story is just so empowering and amazing. And I think is going to give a lot of women, um, hope you know, and, and understanding that they're more powerful than they know they are. Uh, mainly Thank your you. mindset is incredible, but let's talk about your story. So where are you from? And, and tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been in the industry for what feels like forever, um, <laughs> my whole life <laughs> since I was 
Um, I came well, women, out doing women that. kind of are in beauty for their whole lives. Like it's we, as wild. little girls, it's like pumped on us. So yeah, it's wild. Yes. I mean, you know, it kind of starts, it's interesting because I actually was not supposed to be in the beauty industry when I, you know, and I think a lot of people go through this throughout their, you know, their journey in life, but you know, I was, I was going to school for hospitality. I was, you know, going to run hotels all over the world. I had no, no interest in doing anything beauty. Now I've always loved the beauty industry and I've always loved product. Um, you know, I remember when I was, I specifically remember asking my mom when I was 12, um, cause my mom was a single mom. And I remember asking my mom when I was 12 that I wanted to get a job. And she was like, wow, that's great. You know, you know, she was proud of the fact that, you know, I had, you know, a, a work ethic, you know, it's such a young age, like, but girls, like, I really want to go get a job. <laughs> um, but, but the reason was because I wanted Mac makeup. Like it couldn't be, you know, anything. It had to be Mac, you know, my first big purchase. And I still have this brush to this day was a makeup tool, which is you know, also a, a kind of an odd makeup purchase as well for like a young person. Like typically it's like a lip gloss or a cool trending, whatever. No, I needed this particular like $40 brush, you know, and it, it, it had to be this brush. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I wanted to get a job so I could actually, you know, purchase Mac makeup. Um, and at the time, shout, shout out to all the girls who are our ages. Cause we're clearly the same age who like Mac was like a destination must get a job so I can have all Mac products. Absolutely. It had to be <laughs> Mac. It had to be Mac because at the time there was no Sephora as you know, well, not in the United States. There's no yeah. Sephora. No, none of these stores even existed. Um, so, you know, Mac was it, you know, and it was only in select stores in the country. And then you know, my mom and I went when I was like 14 or 15 on like a trip to South Beach in Miami um, because it was the only, at the time, the only pro store in Florida. So it was oh, like, wow. we could get certain things. Oh yeah. So I was, I've always been a lover of beauty. Um, and, you know, it kind of went, I would say maybe a little deeper than just like, oh, I love product, you know? Um, and again, the, the, the world was so different than in the beauty space. Like there wasn't YouTube, there wasn't any of, you know, social media, so it was like a true love of product, right? Mm -hmm. and, you know, I had to go to the store, but you know, I ended up getting a job when I was really young. I was 14 when I, you know, got my first job and truly the intent was so I could, you know, I didn't want to burden my mom because my mom's a single mom, right? And, um, you know, I didn't want to burden her. Like if I wanted something that was special, you know, or anything. Yeah. Um, that's, that, I was know. 14, single mom, four, and I got my first job at 14 too. So we've it's, got that. I think it's a, it's a trait when you have strong parents and strong single mothers who work their ass off, you know, it's such an incredible thing. Like it's such a hard thing for women to go through being a single mom and I'm a single mom myself, but you know, I even notice it with my son, you know, it's like the, the yeah. children, parents I think are just beasts. Like, <laughs> well, I didn't really want a job when I was 14. I wanted to, I was a flyer. I was cheerleading. I hadn't gotten tall yet. And I wanted yeah. to get, I wanted to keep cheering so I could get. And so I was like, mom, I need money for, uh, a uniform. And she's like, well, you're going to need to get a job if you need a hundred dollars. And I'm like, right. are, you, are you serious? I grew up like not needing to ask, you know, for anything. And my mom was like, and I was like, yeah, we don't, we don't have any money anymore. You got to go, you know, you got to get a job. <laughs> I was like, all right. So I went to the state, got a work permit and I started working. I got that outfit and then I got tall and they stopped making me a flyer. And I was like, I quit. <laughs> But I, okay, sorry. So you're originally from Tampa. You love the, you love beauty and, love beauty. and yep. yeah. And you're, so you're a single mom. Anyways, I'm going to let you go on with your. Oh no, of course. So, you know, I ended up actually becoming a teen mom and that's kind of where the, the story of where, you know, yes, I did get a job so I could, you know, purchase product and purchase, you know, unique, you know, tools and things for, for the beauty industry because I truly loved the industry. 
Um, but I had never considered having a career in beauty. Um, and like I said, I was, when I found out that I was pregnant, I was actually a senior in high school and I was getting ready to go off to college at, um, you know, Johnson and Wales. I got accepted into Johnson and Wales in Rhode Island and I was going to run hotels, like I mentioned before. Oh, and, wow. That's a yeah, completely different life. And, um, you know, obviously you find out you're pregnant and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. That's something I did not expect. In fact, I was kind of convinced that I wasn't going to have kids. Like I was going to be, I would probably get married at some point, but I was going to be traveling and I was going to have time, you know, for kids. Mm-hmm. The, so career, was, the career aunt. Yep. And, um, so, you know, I, I remember finding out and deciding that I was, you know, going to proceed with having him. And I just thought to myself like, wow. And, you know, in Tampa, it's pretty limited. Um, as far as, you know, hospitality schools and just a lot of, there's a lot of, um, it's grown a lot more now, um, over the last few years, but just for any of my interests in particular, pretty much are in the major cities, you know, or international. So, um, you know, I just sort of felt like I'm not going to be a statistic. That's like the one thing I was like, I'm not going to be a statistic. This is not how my story is going to end. Like, I'm not going to be, you know, the single teen mom that then, you know, ends up not doing anything, um, you know, with her life. And this is, this is not going to be my story. Right. And mm-hmm. I had to rewrite the story and <laughs> the way that I want. It's um, your first pivot. My first pivot. And I didn't really know where to start, but interestingly enough, I, I had just had my son and I went into um, an origin store. Um, and origins is a, the kind of the natural um, brand or the more, you know, more natural brand of the Estee Lauder companies. And, um, I walked into an origin store and I took my grandmother and my mom, we were having like a shopping day. And so I took them into the store and I started doing my grandmother's makeup in the store. And I had my, my son in tow, you know, he's like at this point, not even kidding, like four weeks old. And, um, you know, I start doing her makeup and the manager comes up to me and says, um, you know, are you, do you work in the industry? And I said, Oh no, I just, you know, really love doing makeup. And, you know, my grandmother's very picky about what she uses. And so blah, blah, blah. And so she said, I would really love it if you applied for a job. And I thought, well, you know, at least it's something it's, you know, part-time and, you know, I can kind of figure that out, do this while I figure out what I'm going to do with school. And, you know, my son had like, I'm not even kidding. He was four weeks old. And I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to do it. I, you know, I need the money anyway. So I applied for the job. I got it. um, And I started working there. And, you know, when you just sort of find what your thing is, right. And, um, I had never, I was not academic in school. <laughs> Actually, like probably if you went back and asked any of my teachers, they would probably tell you that I probably wasn't destined to go very far in life. Um, Cause I just wasn't, I'm not academic. That's not the kind of intelligence that I, I possess personally. Um, but I and- find that so interesting that like so many of the people that I talk to, they, they didn't necessarily love school. And you see this a lot. It's like, mm-hmm. that doesn't, that doesn't equate to success in the real world. It's just, you're not going to teach at an Ivy league college, maybe, you know, (laughs) maybe I think you might actually, but you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. For many years, I actually thought that I wasn't smart, you know, because I was, you know, I didn't, I didn't do well on tests. You know, everything I did was relatively average. And the only place that I ever really felt like I was great at something was when I was working. Um, and I loved working. Um, I really did genuinely loved working. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't really, even when I was working in high school is a lot different than when I, you know, ended up getting a job, obviously when I got my first job in sales and you're, you're like off the charts for EQ though. And like, I think that that's a lot of people that don't like school. They have a really high level of EQ and they just want to be relating to people and under, you know, once you relate to people, you can learn anything, but absolutely. 
Yeah. And I, I've learned the art of self-teaching. That's one thing. And I'll probably talk about this a lot because everything that I've ever done in my career has been 100% self-taught. Um, and a lot of people are usually very surprised by that because of the nature of the jobs that I've taken. Typically, you have to have like a degree or business and marketing or um, merchandising. And I literally walked in knowing nothing and you know, self-taught everything. Every step of my career has been completely self-taught or on the job. Mm-hmm. And wow. people are usually very surprised by that considering how young I was to, you know, move up in, you know, in corporations. Um, it's not that easy to move up in corporations to begin with, let alone if you don't have a formal education or a formal training. And I've also made a lot of jumps throughout my career into different sort of areas, always in beauty, but in different sections or, you know, categories of beauty. Um, you know, whether it's marketing, merchandising, sales, and kind of jumping back through, you know, each of those um, categories. And now, of course, brand development. So, so you, so, okay, let's go back to Origins. So you get this job at Origins and you stayed there for how long? I was there for five years. um, Five years? Five years. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I got promoted seven times when I was there. um, And I was one of the youngest managers in history. Um, I took over one of their, you know, largest doors. Um, and I remember, <laughs> I remember, Wait, I love this story of how you became a manager. Yes. Okay. So basically, um, <laughs> we that is lot- such a good story. You got to tell the girls. That. Okay. Okay. Well, so in the, in the years that I was there, you know, this is like between 2005, um, you know, in 2010, basically. And I, <laughs> I laughed because it was the worst time to be in retail. You know, it's 2008, and the economy was just a disaster. I mean, it got so bad that, you know, most companies have sales goals, um, you know, individually on a store level, individually. And, you know, Estee Lauder, even at the time, had been like, okay, we're just taking away sales goals. Cause it was almost like uh, for a lot of people, it was really, really challenging because, you know, you hire people who are, you know, targeted, you know, obviously to be motivated by, you know, achieving sales and, you know, um, serving people. And even then at the time they were like, okay, we need to like pause on sales goals. Cause it's almost like demoralizing, you know, because right. you know, you would see three customers a day. I mean, I'm not kidding. Um, so anyway, we had had a series of management turnover just because, you know, the nature of where we were at at the time had nothing to do with origins. It was actually like industry wide. It was just like turn, 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 turn. Um, and you know, I was really the only one who I was actually working at the time on the minimum you could work 30 hours a week. Um, and, uh, they basically offered me, and I was doing really well in sales. I was working at the worst times between four and 10, which is the deadest time that you can work in retail. And, um, you know, I did that so I could try to figure out the school situation. And my manager came to me at one point and said, you know, you're actually crushing these numbers. Like you're the only, like you're working the worst times and you're beating out sales for people who, who are managers working the maximum that you can work. And they are in New York, LA, all the major markets and you're beating them in sales and basically corporate wants to know like who the hell is this girl? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so they convinced me to work full time and she's like, look, I would never take you away from school because that's not what we do here. We want you to you know, feel empowered with your education. But if you don't feel like you can handle both, you know, we really want to offer you a full-time job, et cetera, et cetera. So I worked my way into full time and I decided to make the, you know, the decision to walk away from, you know, doing formal education and just really, you know, get deep into this. Um, Cause I saw a really, really, really strong future with Estee Lauder and just beauty in general. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to jump all in with this. And I was doing really well. So, you know, I got promoted to, you know, full time and then assistant manager. And then this is when the series of turnovers were happening. And I remember 
we were interviewing for a manager position and we had just gone through so many, you know, at this point. And at this point I'm 19 years old, keep in mind. Um, and my district manager, you know, was like, Hey, um, you know, what did you think about this last, you know, person we interviewed? And I said, look, they're all great. I said, but none of them are going to work out. And she looked at me, she talked, she said, well, why, why is that? And I said, because I'm meant to run this store. And I, that was not, yeah, even, girl, go girl. <laughs> that was not even planned. Like that wasn't something that I had even been thinking about, but it was so innate. That it, just it just came out. It just came out. I was just like, I, it wasn't planned. It wasn't like a conversation that I was considering having. It's just, I just said it. And she, you know, looked at me and she said, look, you know, obviously I'm not going to tell you this because like, I can't really, but like, you do realize that you're 19 years old. So for me to give you a very large store with very high expectations and terrible time, she's like, is going to be a really hard sell. And I said, all right, then, um, let me prove it to you. I said, you continue your interview process with these, pe with these people. And if I make the week, you have to give me an interview. And if I make the month, you have to give me the job. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, at that point, she kind of looked at me and was like, ha! she laughed because at that point, I mean, stores, no stores were making a week. None of them barely, you're barely making LOI, you know, you're ba barely making anything. Right. So she was kind of like, okay, sure. Like have fun. And, um, never in a million years did she think I would make the week <laughs> or make the month or beat last year. And I did, um, with my team. We all kind of like banded together. They didn't really know that I was up for it because, um, you know, it just wasn't something that I was sharing at the time, but there was one girl I remember in particular, she was a part-timer and, um, she was somebody who I'd nurtured from the very beginning and she, she knew, and she was like, we're going to make this happen. And so we kind of all band together. And, you know, the fact that we were, we were one of the only stores that had made a week and I'm not even kidding you, probably a year. Um, <laughs> it was like, wow. it was times, right? So she, um, so I made the week, I made the month, they gave me the interview. Um, and, uh, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> you know, I was, I've never, well, you clearly did have an idea of what you were doing. <laughs> Just didn't realize that no one else was smart enough to do right. what you were doing. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, this I is the problem when you're told you're not smart and right. then you go out into the world and you perform or you feel like you're not traditional smart, traditionally intelligent. And then you go out there and you're crushing it. I mean, like that, ha this, I mean, so did you make the month? Made the month, made the week, made the month. They got gave the me job. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. It was wild. I mean, it was, I mean, I got a, I mean, I've got a letter still somewhere from Jane Water that she had like written me like a handwritten note. This is right, right when she had taken over, I think at one point. And I still have it somewhere, you know, thanking me for the work that I did mm. to get the, the store, you know, and kind of lead the district and lead the way. Um, to the point where they actually created a really interesting position for me over time because my store continued to perform once they promoted me. I built out this powerhouse team. I mean, powerhouse team. And that's, I, I credit Estee Lauder very much for my, uh, my leadership training because they are a beast when it comes to leadership training. Like, they are no joke. What um, are some of their, like, things that they, you know, they, to become they a better you, salesperson? Yeah, they teach you to coach. Um, and coaching is, you know, it sounds like a very simple thing, but in almost every company that I've worked at since Estee Lauder, I have never once been in a company that coaches the way that they do They're mm. you know, never worked for any other company that actually coaches their teams, which is fascinating. 
um, and they really instill it, especially in store. Um, and they basically teach you to coach to people's innate talents and strengths versus coaching to the, you know, where we sort of lack, right? Because the yep, fear. Yep, exactly. The philosophy behind some of the way that they coached and, you know, I don't know what's changed internally since then. So, um, but when I was there, one of the things that they believed was they used a, a company called Talent Plus, which is a company that kind of helps to develop coaching tools and um, to basically train to your strengths, right? And the philosophy is that if you, if you focus on the people's strengths, they will become higher performing um, versus having them focus on the areas where they lack. Um, their actual performance will decrease in the area where they are innately strong because they're spending time focusing on something that innately they're not that great at. Um, right. That makes sense. It does. It's very interesting and it kind of rubs people away a lot. You know, it's kind of very controversial because people are like, well, you know, you're so, you're focused to improve, right? You know, in your whole life you've been trained that, you know, if you're not good at something, you focus on that. But it's like somebody who's amazing at soccer, right? And, you know, there are amazing athletes in soccer. Like, yeah, maybe they're okay at basketball, but are you going to basically, are you going to nurture the talent of something that they already have? Or are you going to basically take them away from soccer or maybe have them spend less time focusing on improving their soccer skills to focus on basketball while they'll basically be average, right? Right. Like it's nurturing. I mean, I think also isn't Estee Lauder, like f there's a ton of females there. So totally. I, everyone yes. who listens to this podcast is like Melrose is a, the ultimate feminist, but yeah. I love, I love men. And I think that part of one of the reasons why we can become really strong professionally is because, um, we do have, you know, we're, we're alpha and a lot of women have like this, um, uh, like a balance of estrogen and testosterone. And we're not just like, I'm just a, such a girl, but I do think that taking on female principles and leadership really does make a huge, huge, huge difference. You know, nurturing what people are good at versus making them feel bad about themselves and leading with, you got to hit these numbers. It just doesn't work. It was interesting because even if you think about, there's a couple categories, right? So there's the people who are motivated by um, sales goals, numbers, that's their number one motivation. And those are the people that you put on in like your busiest times of the day, right? I mean, that's- they're money -ish. like, let's be real. They are yep. all, they're salespeople. And if you're a salesperson and you're not all about the money, this, that's a problem, you know? Totally. But then so. you have people who are, who are motivated by relationships. So yeah. I've people who, as an example, who were actually more motivated by the relationship that they were developing with the customer and mm -hmm. kind of writing them off and saying like, oh, well, you know, you're not motivated by the money. Um, it, I would put them on strategic, I would schedule them differently. So I'd schedule them on a time right. who was more nurturing. So that would be the person that you put on like a Sunday or, you know, an afternoon when it slows down a bit because they're able to actually get bigger, you know, bigger sales out of, you know, people because they're not just like, churning. You know, they're not just like, okay, boom, 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 upsell, upsell. They're I love that. I yeah. love the idea of um, somebody who's more nurturing and relationship driven in a sales role to be performing at times when consumers want more nurturing, really right. nurturing experiences. That's yep. so smart. Thank you. And that's cool. those like the types that. of things. Yeah. Those are the types of things that I learned from, you know, that role and being with Estee Lauder, because what I would find is, you know, we would, I would set them up for failure by putting somebody who's amazing at sitting down with somebody for an hour and getting, you know, a humongous sale out of it and putting them at a time where they have to juggle five customers. Like that person is not going to be as strong, but that doesn't mean they're not a great salesperson. That just meant that yeah. you know, 
I wasn't putting them in the right role. Um, and so, so what was the third person? Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt. I just don't want to have conversations that don't have the, the, the points you were trying to make. In them. So what, so you have someone who's like motivated by like, you know, high pressure numbers. You have someone who's motivated by relationships that you said there's a third one. Um, and then there's the one that's really motivated by community, this kind of idea of, um, you know, of building a community out of it. And I think those are again, interesting where it's, it's just a different type of salesperson. It doesn't mean again, that like one is better or strong. You need them all. Right. So it's kind of like yeah. where you put them, especially when you're in a, in a high performing sales role. And I think there's so many different types of sales and people think that, oh, I'm not going to be good at sales because I don't have this type of personality, but I've worked with hundreds of people um, and numbers of personalities that are actually fantastic at sales that you wouldn't necessarily think would be. And um, once they're put in the right role, the right type of sales role, they thrive. And so- well, And let's be honest, like you're, everyone's selling something, you know, it's totally. like, like if you, we all need to know how to sell something. Um, if you're working for a nonprofit, you're still selling something. If you're working- Exactly. For, so we're all selling something, but it's good when it aligns with your ethos. I mean, that makes the job not feel like torture. Absolutely. And I think it's also up to our leaders, you know, and to, to really train themselves to identify different types of talent, because sometimes when somebody doesn't fit into a box. It's very easy to kind of write them off or, you know, somebody up in corporate is saying, Hey, get rid of this person. And, you know, I think one of the things that I found working in store and especially working in store during that time was really fascinating because, you know, the ta there was a lot of, you know, a lot of applicants, you know, obviously because a lot of people were unfortunately unemployed at the time, but, you know, it was actually pretty difficult to find talent, right? And um, everyone was just very, it was a very weird, weird time, obviously, in our, in our economy. And so, um, you know, I just learned that, you know, we, not everybody is replaceable, right? And um, I think learning- Oh, they're definitely not. <laughs> they're definitely not. Um, you would be surprised how many companies and people that I have worked with and for that believe that everybody is replaceable. <laughs> um, I just don't, that's like saying like, you're going to have a hundred soulmates. Like maybe you'll have, you could have five, but like they're right. all defined, you know? Right. But also okay. even if you're managing or creating product or, or services or people, you still have to sell and you still have to, in a way, you have to interact with people. So you have to yes. understand. Yeah. It's so interesting. The relationship with people. And um, I think that's one of the reasons why I fell in love with this industry to begin with, because um, you know, one thing that I always promised and when I left and, you know, obviously as we kind of go throughout the course of my, you know, my career um, you know, one of the things when I left being in field um, when I moved on and decided to join corporate, the one thing that I promised myself was that I would never, ever allow the customer to become a number on a piece of paper yeah. and that I have said for my entire career. And I have really stuck by that. Um, I think I, you have to make that choice. You know, you do. You if, do. if you don't do that, it always will come back and catch you. You know, like yeah. I'm not, I don't, but I, I, you, you know, the people who are just numbering you and you know, the people who care about you. Yep. And I just promised that I would never do that. And I think even when it comes down to like, whether it's talent or whether it's a customer, you know, it's very easy when you move from, you know, going into, you know, being in sale and, you know, being in sales and seeing and touching and, you know, you're having this like intimate time, intimate moment with this customer. You're literally putting something into her life that she's using every day. Um, and you're bringing this product in, you know, into her life. And um, it's something that is very personal. I mean, I've helped so many clients that, you know, I, I remember women would come in just 
drained, exhausted, you know, because they've gone through, they're going through a horrible divorce and they just wanted something, someone to make them feel better, you know, and it might seem superficial to some, but you know, I always say lipstick always fits, right? So <laughs> even, when <you're> ha- <laughs> even when you're having a bad day or whether you, you know, are not exactly where you want to be, you know, whatever, whether that's physical, emotional, you know, you can, you know, change, you know, the course of how you're feeling by just, you know, nurturing yourself, even if it is a face cream of, you know, taking five minutes and doing a facial on yourself, um, you know, taking, you know, taking that moment and saying, you know what, screw it. I'm going to wear the bright red lipstick. Um, right. These moments, these little moments, these little rituals that you have that are for you. And these are the moments that I will cherish forever. I mean, I've helped women who have been going through, you know, chemotherapy and they just want to feel like themselves again, you know, they're yeah. I think it's, it's just, that idea of of selling an experience over a thing, even though you're selling a, a good, you know? And, and But I also feel, I do agree with the idea about beauty because beauty is an easy invest. It's, you know, 50 bucks or 20 yep. bucks and it's not thousands of dollars and you're not regretting it later. You know, it's of like course. easy, quick fix for the, like, we live in a consumer culture. So it's one of those things, but now I find it torture because like, I'm like trying to find things that doesn't have any chemicals in it. So it really limits the brands, but then I use yeah. it and I'm, I have an allergy to the plant that's in it. So it's like, it's beauty is challenging, but I want to see on your career path. Cause actually you have quite a few more steps to get to where you are now. <laughs> and we're going to, yes. going to be another hour and a half podcast and people are going to, be like Melrose, you gotta chill out. Tone it down. Like, I probably I don't know. I don't know. Like I sometimes I listen to hour long podcasts and I'm like, I could have done that for another half an hour. So that's not necessarily true either. We're not gonna <laughs> limit ourselves. But so you get to five years at Origins, and are yep. you like? I love this part where you're like, you didn't know what the job that you wanted to do was even called. <laughs> But like you figured out what it was and then you applied for this job, which you'll tell them about, but then you had to go back to a different job to get you from one to the other. And it was actually a step back, but eventually you got to where you're going. So let's talk about that process. Correct. So interest. So funny. People love this part of the story. Um, I love this part of the story. It is hysterical. So I didn't know what the job was. So remember, you know, I didn't go to school for this. I really, and there's also not a lot of resources, which actually like everyone kind of take a pin on this part of the conversation because then you'll understand why I created Making Lemonade, right? But this part of the conversation is very critical because it actually links to where I am now today. But there aren't a lot of resources. If you want to get into the beauty industry, unless you're going to be like an esthetician or a hairstylist, there's not a lot of information and resources of like how to do you know, how to work in beauty corporate, how to get to, you know, like fashion merchandising is a lot different, how to be a buyer, mm-hmm. those things, there's actual degrees for that. Um, do it in beauty. Like you don't, there isn't a lot of access to the industry. Um, some of that is intentional and some of it is not. Um, and just, you know, nobody really thinking that it was critical to have this, but anyway, I spent a lot of time Googling. I mean, we're talking like weeks and weeks and weeks trying to figure out what is this job? Like, okay, I, I like, basically we were in this place where decisions were happening in store because we were trying all these new things. Um, and I always say Origins was really ahead of their time because a lot of things that they were trying then weren't totally working, but would 1000% work today based on where we're at sort of, you know, culturally. Um, and, you know, with the green movement and everything like that. But going back to, you know, where I started Googling, you know, I started Googling all these job descriptions and I'm like, okay, well, if this is in corporate, what do I do here? And like, how do I get to this job? Right. 
And then basically the job that came up was buyer. And I was like, oh, okay, I want to be a buyer. I want to be in merchandising. Like those are the people that decide what products go into store. Right. Cause you're like looking at what the demand is from all the people coming in. You're like, why don't we have more of what these people want Correct. with buying the product for this store? Why don't they know and come in here and talk to us about what Correct. our, you know, what. Correct. What and these were the doing? questions that I had because I was like, why are we making you know, things that, you know, basically are collecting dust, you know, um, on the shelves Yeah, and we don't have the basic things that people need, you know, at the time, I mean, this wasn't even just with origins, like in general, like there was, you know, limited shade ranges, you know, just so super, super simple things that, you know, I would have to turn people away because we didn't have, um, which is, mm. we would be bringing in like dog shampoo. And I'm like, why do we have dog shampoo? <laughs> um, so these are the questions that I had. And so I was like, who's making these decisions? So that's basically where I landed at, you know, merchants, you know, retail marketing, buyer. And I thought, oh, buyer, you know, but then I realized, okay, well, you know, I'd have to move to New York or blah, blah, and I just didn't have the capability with my, you know, me as a single mom at the time, my son was, I think two. And so, you know, I just didn't have the capability to like, you know, have a two bedroom apartment in Manhattan and work at corporate somewhere. Um, I wasn't at that point in my career because I would have to start kind of at the bottom. Now, at this point, I've moved my way up pretty much as far as you can get in field without going to being like a regional or district manager. And they created this unique position for me where I basically went in and boot camped and helped train stores basically to do what my store was doing. Um, and I did that for you know about a year before I decided to make this jump. So I you were more interested in the actual product versus yes. the you like people, but you're like, actually, I really am interested in these, in the buying side. My, my focus has always been creating the absolute best product to make, especially women. Now, of course it's men and women, of course, that consume beauty, but it's still majority female driven. Um, and my thing has always been that I wanted to help women feel better. And I know that seems like such a simple over said statement, but I love women. Like I think women are sensational. I don't even mm -hmm. think realize how sensational they actually are. Um, and so many times I would have women come in to me just, you know, not even knowing the beauty that is within them, you know, not even knowing how fantastic they are. And they just, mm -hmm. you know, I want to make products that are going to honor them and their, their beauty, you know, and, um, not even just physical in, you know, internal, mental, just everything. And, um, so it's always been about her. It's always been about the consumer, but I do love product. And I love the fact that I can create things that, um, can make women's lives happier and bringing something that I know is going to be with them, you know, for a long time, hopefully if they love the product makes me feel fulfilled. Um, so that's always been my focus. So that's what I came across buying. Um, and I was like, we can do better. Like we can do better. And um, there were no buying offices, of course, because I'm still in Tampa and I still needed help with my son here and there um, or a lot because you know, it takes a village. So um, I came across Home Shopping Network and they had a position that was the vice president of beauty or the general manager of beauty. Now, of course, I had no acumen of like what a corporate structure was. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, well, I was a manager. What's a GM of beauty? That's like the same thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> So I, I would assume that, right? Yeah. So I applied for this like super executive level job thinking that it's like, you know, basically like I was like, well, I was a manager of beauty brand, you know, I could do this. And um, not knowing that it's like, you know, something that people work for 10, 15 years to get to that role. Right? <laughs> the HR person at HSN was so phenomenal though. I mean, she called me back and, you know, she kind of explained to me like, okay, well, this is great. Um, <laughs> but we're kind of looking for somebody who's been like a SVP of Sephora. And I was like, oh, okay. Got you. 
<laughs> not where I'm at yet. Understood. So she's like, okay, listen, we don't have any positions in beauty available, but we do have, she's like, I don't know where you're at, but maybe like, I don't know, would you be willing to kind of try sales first and wait for a position to come available, which I'm talking about going from like, you know, at this point I'm in my early twenties and you know, I'm doing pretty well for myself. I'm making, you know, at the time, like, you know, 75,000, somewhere around there, which is pretty good for, somebody, you know, at, at my age, at that uh, time. Yeah. Someone who's never really, you know, gone to school for anything. So I worked my way up. So I'm making a pretty decent salary for myself. Um, and then the job was like, I think like $11 an hour. <laughs> so I went, I went from, you know, making that and they're like, okay, it's like $11 an hour. And I was like, what? <laughs> you're like, and, you realize I've got mouths to feed, right? Yeah. I was like, I got, I'm a single, like nothing wrong with making $11 an hour, but you know, going from, you know, making that to taking such a huge step back financially, you know, knowing the sacrifices I would have to make and, you know, hoping for the best that I would figure it out. Um, I was like, wow. Okay. And I, uh, you did it. Yeah, I did it. And some, cause someone said to me at the time, they were like, how many times, how fast did you move up at origins? And I said, well, you know, in five years I got promoted six, seven times. Okay. So what makes you think that you're not going to be able to do that again? And I remember it was actually somebody I was dating at the time who said that to me. And, uh, I've held that with me ever since, you know? Okay. So you did it once. What makes you think you're never going to be able to do that again? And so I've taken that approach with a lot of things in my life um, and specifically when it comes to career. And I did take that step back and within, you know, six months, the position opened in beauty and I started my way at the bottom as a merchandise assistant. And I taught myself, you know, how to be a buyer. Um, I had a lot of amazing, actually my brands were some of the greatest teachers, you know, they didn't know that they were teaching me, but um, my brand partners were actually some of the greatest teachers I could have ever, ever asked for. Um, just learning along the way how brands work, how brands operate and working in a company like HSN is sort of like being in a buying office, you know, boot camp because you have to learn to, to buy product that sells by the minute, by the minute, you know, wow. <laughs> you don't have the luxury of something sitting in a window for six weeks and, you know, hoping for good sell through, like we have to sell it by the minute, you know? So whatever you put up has to sell immediately, basically. Um, so wait, and you went there, you worked there and Sephora at the same time? I did. I did. You yes. got a job at Sephora and did sales for HSN because you're like, I'll just do both because I'm a boss and this is just- That's what I did. Yes. I had, I had two jobs and I had a very, um, very, very understanding, um, you know, VP at the time at, at, at HSN who understood that I was a single mom. And I was like, look, here's the thing. Like I- do work at Sephora, you know, part-time and in sales. And, um, but I want to pursue my buying career and here's where we're at. And I, you know, you don't pay me enough and Sephora doesn't pay me enough. So like, I've got to work both. And so I worked both simultaneously for a while until I got my assistant buyer title, because then it becomes, you know, kind of a conflict of interest, which of course it wasn't at the time because I was just an assistant initially. And then as I worked my way up, then obviously I had to, you know, leave um, Sephora, sadly, because I actually loved my job at Sephora. Um, but I did leave my job at Sephora. Um, but HSN was like so, so amazing because I, this so is the one thing I want to make sure that, that people understand you had to learn how to like, basically you learned what brands and what part of the product is going to sell out in a minute, you know, in a minute, literally one minute, you know, I and had to that, dissect that. Mm -hmm. that is invaluable knowledge for being a brand creator. Right. Cause Correct. like, that's insane. Like that amount of education. And you did that for six years, right? I did. I did. And wow. I went way 
up to being a buyer, um, which is actually, you know, a lot of times it takes, you know, it can take 10 plus years to, you know, work my way up to being a buyer. You went from minimum wage to a dream <laughs> job that you had. Okay, clearly everyone listening, you, she's tapped into the law of resonance and the law of attraction, but those things don't work unless you're willing to do hard work. Hard ass work. I mean, I barely you love it. That's the difference. You have a I nice do. relationship to it. It is. I love it. You know, and it's, and learning people is and learning brands and learning products. And my brands were gold to me. I mean, they put, once they saw, I always, I had this joke with my team. I'm like, they just got to give me three months. Cause of course they would look at me and they'd be like, okay, this like kid is going to run my business here. Great. <laughs> well, did they know you're just like, you're just like the first wave of millennials who are like, watch this everybody. <laughs> right. Right. And so I kind of came in and you know, blew up their digital business, um, you know, turned around, you know. Oh yeah. Talk about the digitizing HSN. Cause that is, that amazing. was probably one of my proudest accomplishments there. Um, you know, my, one of my proudest accomplishments, you know, cause of course most people know HSN by phone, you know, calling in, you watch it on TV, you call in by phone. And I remember going onto the digital site and I was like, why, but why don't we have any of the stuff that Sephora has? And <laughs> I mean, imagine me going up against the CEO of Too Faced and all of these brands and being like, why don't we have like a single mascara on the site? You know, cause for a long time we didn't have like just even basic, you know, basic product, you know, and there was a, an associate buyer that was there at the time who had also started the process of, you know, turning the business around digitally. Um, and she did a fantastic job sort of starting that process. And then she ended up moving to another category and then subsequently. Mm. Um, but I really came in at that point and said like, okay, like we don't have any basic stuff. Like, why don't we have basic goods on our, on our digital? And so, um, you know, and at the time, you know, people didn't really view HSN and QVC as really well, more so HSN, but as a substantial part of their business. So Sephora, Ulta, their main retailers always got top priority. And, you know, so for me to go in there and be like, Hey, I'm going to turn this into a substantial business for you. And, uh, you know, we're going to also, because the, the beauty of being on a, a retailer like HSN is that there's also marketing involved in it. So, you know, it's like you basically go to a retailer and get a huge marketing opportunity and it halos to the rest of your retail and onto your website, et cetera. So you actually get a pretty big halo effect once you're on, you know, HSN and QVC. So, you know, going up against these brands, but then, you know, the brands, once the brand saw that, you know, I was able to turn their businesses around and, you know, we would have successful shows and sellouts and, um, you know, we were launching all these new indie brands that nobody thought, I mean, I brought Nikki Tutorials on air at HSN, Nikki Tutorials, who is a very, 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 very well-known um, influencer. And at the time, I mean, she's still extremely hot, but she was like the hottest, you know, the hottest influencer you could get. And I remember fighting internally for months saying like, we've got to bring an influencer on air. And everyone's like, you're crazy. Like, why would you bring an influencer on air? Um, you're like, why wouldn't I? <laughs> why? And I was like, I'm going to. <laughs> you're like, this isn't a negotiation. Everyone just sign right here. <laughs> yep. And it was amazing because, you know, I was able to negotiate, you know, the brand supporting bringing this in, these influencers on air. It was really one of the first times that, you know, a, like a super trending influencer was on, you know, TV retail. So it was pretty phenomenal. We had incredible digital success. Um, you know, our business skewed a lot more digital, but you know, when I first started, you know, in that category, um, you know, the business was, you know, not a strong percentage in digital and I was able to triple it. Um, to the point where wow. my business was rocking and rolling. 
um, where, whether we had airtime or not. So, you know, we were able to really sustain um, and really kind of craft like a new, a new way to shop for, for the company, because while we always had digital presence, we really were undervalued for our digital. We were also really undervalued for our assortment because we had phenomenal assortment. We had exclusives um, and we just really weren't getting the credit for it in the market. And then all of a sudden, I remember we got a new VP at the time who came from another retailer. And I remember him walking in and saying, who runs the makeup category over here? And I was like, oh no. Like oh, I didn't know what no. was in the guy's mouth. And I raised my hand. I was like, oh, that's me. And he's like, I hate you. He's like, I've cursed your name so many times because I would get all these exclusives. Like all of a sudden I started getting better deals than Sephora, than Ulta, than, you know, Kohl's, all of their other retailers. Like we were getting exclusive leads, which brands, for those of you that don't know, like brands really reserve those for very specific occasions, you know, like a very special launch and they give it to Sephora 30 days in advance. And it's a big deal, right? Cause it's a brand new product. And I started getting them, which nobody ever thought HSN, you know, would really get those, um, you know, especially from major national brands like that. And so we were really able to, you know, move the needle and, you know, make, make a substantial change, which is what drove our, drove our digital business so strongly. So it was pretty, it's very proud. And because of that, that's, it gained a lot of notoriety in the industry. And, um, you know, it was, it was a proud moment for me to, you know, to be pissing off other retailers because at first like nobody even really cared about each other like yeah 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 whatever and like switching to your company right like so yeah wait i'm gonna go over there because they're doing something right also who's responsible for this because we're gonna be best friends <laughs> exactly it was so cool it was such a cool moment and then that's and you're what like really guess what guys i'm actually smart <laughs> <laughs> guess what everybody <laughs> Um, How did you end up in BoxyCharm? Did you think then that's you exactly so? Up, yep. You thought so you were going to stay at a call. forever? Yeah. So basically, um, that you know, I, at that point, I had launched probably 30, 40 new brands, um, you know, at HSN within the course of a year, which is also like unheard of. Um, we were getting all kinds of cool trending products, et cetera, et cetera. That started to gain some notoriety industry wide because they're like, well, where the hell did HSN come from? You know, with all this cool product and um, Interestingly enough, I, a brand reached out to me and said, hey, um, I think you should come to BoxyCharm. And then they headhunted me um, to go to BoxyCharm. And um, I remember meeting with the founder and, um, you know, I was kind of, I remember walking into the interview thinking like, I am not taking this job, you know, because I just was, I was, I had just signed the dotted line on a promotion at HSN. Like that's where I was at in life. Like I had just signed a promotion and then I get this call to have an interview with BoxyCharm. And I'm like, well, they I'm just- They headhunted your ass. Oh, excuse right. me. Right. I'm like- They uh, headhunted you. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, there's that no That must way. have felt good though. It was amazing. I mean, to be at that point, and at this point, I'm, you know, in my mid-20s and, you know, I'm being headhunted for a director level position at an emerging, you know, I've just signed the dotted line on my promotion to become, you know, the buyer of the makeup category, like full-blown, you know, taking over the category nails. Um and I just signed the dotted line on that promotion. And then I get the call, you know, about this director level position, which would basically allow me to, you know, I mean, run the entire department because they didn't have anybody running, you know, merchandising um, brands. Um, it was, you know, being led by sort of like a brand manager and the, the founder and the CEO. And, and just so everyone knows, BoxyCharm is a subscription-based makeup and- It is. Right. So. Yep. So it's uh, it's a phenomenal um, offer, actually. But yeah, it was at the time it was the first full size 
beauty box in the industry. So you had Ipsy, which was samples at the time. You know, you had FabFitFun, which was more lifestyle. Um, you know, Glossy Box, Birch Box, they were all kind of mostly samples. And BoxyCharm came to market and really disrupted as the first full-size beauty box. And by full-size, you mean the products coming the, in the box are yep, full-size? Correct. Yes. And that's uh, great. I mean, because I don't want a bunch of samples, you know? Right. I mean, right. I do, but what if I love it? Then I have to go order it. Right. I mean, it was a phenomenal offer, um, you know, and they were, they were doing really well considering, you know, where they were at, but they really struggled with being able to get brands. And so that's why they brought me in. Cause obviously knowing mm, gotcha. just then, um, they were like, all right. And I already were work was working with a lot of the brands that they had partnered with before. So it was just a really, and I, I fell in love with, you know, the founder, we had such a, like, we hit it off really, really well. And, um, it was just sort of like that, uh, you know, when you have, um, you know, when you go on a date, you have, you know, chemistry with somebody's like sparks flying everywhere. Right. Um, yeah. same experience, but professionally, <laughs> you know, it was like, I the, love those professional connect. I love it. Yeah. It, it was amazing. You know, I remember it was an eight hour interview. No, no kidding. Eight hours. I mean, I felt like I, people were calling me, blowing my phone. Cause they knew that I had this interview. My family was like, what happened? We thought you got kidnapped. <laughs> And, uh, I mean, when I got there, the sun was rising. When I left, the sun was setting like that. Is what so happened. you went there, you took that job. You I went, went there. there. Yep. And you, there. you took that company from 25 million to 200 million in 18 months. I mean, it was a, it was a wild, yeah. Um, it was a wild, wild growth, um, experience that they had. I mean, they're, it was wild. I mean, they were already doing really well. And, um, you know, but once we got those killer brands in the box, it just was on fire. And how um, did you do that? So you, you, mar you not only brought on the brands, but you got exclusive with those brands. Yes. Uh, that was probably one of my proudest moments there. And, you know, their merchandising is a lot different now, but when I was there, um, one of the opportunities that I said, I remember saying this to actually the, everybody in the company was, you know, cause their whole thing was, they were really going after the fact that they were full size. And I said, well, full size is great, but like anybody can do that. And, um, I think, I don't think anybody had thought about that before, you know, like, I think it took everyone by surprise, like, oh, actually, yeah, that can happen at any time. And, um, or maybe it had been considered, but not really an urgency. I said, so we need to find a better point of difference. And so, you know, the, one of the main reasons why I was so successful at HSN was because I was able to get exclusives that nobody else had. And so I basically replic replicated that entire model and, um, decided to create a real merchandising strategy where every box had a very distinct story. And if you think about when you look at retailers, right, and if you go to, and again, it's changed a lot over the past couple of years, but, you know, when you used to, when Sephora first kind of came on the scene, it was storytelling. I mean, if you remember the holographic trend, that was really started by Sephora. You know, Sephora put out this trend that they were like, all right, we're going to do, we're, we're forecasting the holographic's going to be big, right? And we're going to do a story in January, I think it was like January 2014 or 15, right? And they went to all the brands and they said, I want you to create holographic products, right? So a bunch of brands went out and created holographic products for, you know, exclusively for Sephora. I and mean, I didn't know that. They didn't right. Know yes. That. It was a huge thing. You and did. it like took the internet by storm. And then that's when like the unicorn trend happened. Like if you remember all of these things all came from you know, this sort of storytelling that happened. And that trend lasted for years because of this whole, you know, story that had happened. Wow, that is crazy. Crazy. But and, you know, one um, of the things I like about BoxyCharm, and I, and I looked on a lot, when we first met, I looked on a lot of the subscription beauty boxes. But one of the things that must have come from when you were there is like they have the last 
four boxes and it's like our past boxes. And a lot of them don't show you what the, what was in the last boxes. But I think yeah. that's so important when you're offering a subscription. It's like, well, what did I miss? You know? And right. how is it, how it's, is it moving forward? But a yeah. lot of them don't even show that. Nope. And one thing that we always said was we wanted to drive FOMO, right? You, ha you have to drive this fear of missing out, you know, and that's really why we were able to sell out the boxes the way that we did. I mean, we got to a point where our sales were so high boxy that we couldn't even keep up with the demand. Like there was no way to even forecast it because we're in the triple digit. I mean, you're growing like, you know, tens of thousands of subscribers a month. I mean, wow. if you're working, so people wanted that. Oh my gosh. I mean, the demand became so high, especially because of the exclusive products. You know, when I was there, we had this, I remember walking down with the CEO and we're walking down this, just this rainbow of products, you know, and I, I got a tear in my eye. I was like, look at this. Like, and even he, you know, he's, he's not a super emotional guy, obviously, but we were like walking down and he was like, this is beautiful. Like even, you know, even him like strong man, you know, he's like, this is yeah. beautiful. But that's, so that's another thing. Sorry, FYI, everybody, this is probably going to be another hour and 20 minute podcast. <laughs> Sorry, guys. So, so we're going to have to space this one out with a few other shorter ones, but you have so much great content and I feel like it's fine. But um, one of the things that you said to me about this company and why you ended up creating Making Lemonade, because I want to talk about your company. And then I also want to talk about your like advice for people without having them check out. Yeah. Um, was that one of the things was that you were the only female executive um, at yeah. that company. And you were the only executive with a beauty history. And this to me is fascinating about the beauty industry or any industry that caters to women who for the most part are the, you know, the buyers. So, um, or the consumers, right? So like, like tampons and beauty and like mm -hmm. bras, like they were these companies run by men. You said yeah. a lot of the people came from like Chewy.com, which is like a, a dog company. So like, you're the only one who has like beauty history. You're the only female executive. Now that must have been a moment in your career where you're like, hold up hammer time. I have actually now stepped beyond where most people actually achieve um, in your trajectory of your career. Is that when a light bulb went off and you said, wait a second, like I can do my own thing now because I yes. got a promotion and, and you, can you tell that part about it? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, and the company has diversified a lot since then. I know they have, you know, female executives now. They, I still don't know exactly where they're, where they're at today as far as like, you know, a split of like beauty, beauty people. But I know at the time when I was there, um, yeah, I was the, for a while, I was the only female executive. Um, and that was, you know, running sort of like the business side of the house. Um, but interestingly enough, I did get a promotion within a year of being there and uh, something that I, you know, kind of going back, you know, to the story a little bit is um, when you look at the, you know, the trajectory, when I applied for that job at HSN, that was basically a VP of merchandising. I mean, when I think back to that, that wasn't that long ago, you know, that was like five, six, at this point, it was like seven years, you know, six, seven years. Right. And I, you know, unknowingly applied to basically a VP level position of merchandising. And now I am being promoted to VP of merchandising, um, you know, at this, at this moment in time, which was surreal, but I felt nothing. And, um, and you've had I, a lot of promotion. So you like, you know, if it doesn't feel right, which is good. Yes. Yes. And that was a very surreal experience because, you know, I remember someone, you know, people coming up to me in the company and, um, somebody at the at this point had said to me which was somebody who worked with me on my team and she looked at me and she said you know it really is an honor to work with you and it's so amazing you know there is a reason why 
we used to have glass doors um, at that company that I was working with at the time. And um, she said, you're the only woman sitting behind these glass doors. And that means something to me to work for you. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And it's very telling if you're like, I don't feel anything. Whoa. That's like, yes, we all have to learn to listen to that part of ourselves. Cause if you're not feeling it, then like maybe there's a bigger calling, you know? Yes, absolutely. And um, I knew that I had always wondered, you know, and I think we all have these imposter syndrome moments where you're like, well, maybe it was just luck, you know? Um, <laughs> And of course, because I grew up thinking I wasn't that smart, right? Um, I just sort of was like, well, maybe it was luck. You know, maybe it didn't really happen this way. Maybe it was just circumstance that I have been this successful thus far. And But it really, I, it's a certain amount of grit. It's a certain amount of willingness to learn new things and try things that maybe you don't think you're necessarily fit for. And maybe a little bit of like not knowing, I think probably served you too. Yes, I think it's the art of doing, you know? And I think mm. we forget that- you just have to do. And, um, you know, even if you don't know, even if you have no idea, just go in there and start doing it and hope for the best. I mean, there's even things that I did at BoxyCharm that I had never done before. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll just figure this out. Um, which is exactly what I did. And I wasn't always perfect and I've made a ton of mistakes. And I think that's another thing is that I, I kind of honor the fact that I've made a lot of mistakes throughout my career. And I think that's, what's really um, given me sort of this, um, additional, I guess I would call it a slight insanity. <laughs> to well, say. no, because you know what I think, and this I think matters, and that's why I'm interjecting here, because we are taught that failing is bad and that mistakes are bad. On average, an, an entrepreneur has to fail with seven businesses before they get to the business that provides a large yep. amount of money for them. You know, you wouldn't, you don't get to walk until you crawl and try to stand up and fall hundreds of times. So like we're missing something huge in our society, which is you don't walk unless you fall down from after you're done crawling and you don't fly unless you jump, you know, and you learn how to use those wings. So, you know, people thinking that, you know, the mistakes aren't building you. I mean, that's not who triumphs the people who real failure is by when you fall and you're just like, I'm just going to crawl for the rest of my life. Like, can you imagine exactly. if you never learned how to stand up? Yep. No, it's wild. And I think something that I learned at BoxyCharm is if you're going to fail, fail fast. Um, it's like fail, fail fast, and then get your ass back up and keep going. Right. And so I, you hear this a lot, but I'm also torn about that because sometimes I feel like, you know what, whatever this process is, look, I wish I didn't get hung up on certain things for years at a time. And I agree. Fail fast. Failing fast is important in, in your career, but sometimes, course. sometimes it could be a year or two Oh, like not knowing or five years, whatever it is. Like, this is what Absolutely. I said on another one. Like, don't be hard on yourself. Like I'm hard on myself about how long it took me, but that doesn't serve me either. Agreed. No, absolutely agree. And I think that's kind of the journey that, um, you know, learning to fail fast was really something very, um, important for me at BoxyCharm, but something exactly going into your point is once I sort of started making lemonade, um, learning to honor the process was what I had to learn through this journey. So, um, it was sort of like, I, I kind of learned everything in stages. Right. Um, so it was like the importance of failing fast, you know, was really through BoxyCharm and HSN too. Um, cause you have to pivot like almost immediately. Otherwise, you know, you could lose millions of dollars. Right. Um, right. but you also learned, lemonade, what, you yeah. learned what you like to do, which is building and scaling brands. Correct. That's and what you so love. That's, yeah. And I said, all right, I'm ready now. And, um, so when box making lemonade, making lemonade. And, uh, I was at a very weird place in my life because 
I have a, I had and still have a very deep love for BoxyCharm and I will always have a very deep love for BoxyCharm. And, um, you know, I, you know, when we parted ways, it felt like a breakup, you know? And, um, then at the same time I was going through a personal situation where, um, you know, somebody who I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with was then all of a sudden no longer my life within 30 days of that. Oh and- my gosh. This is, you hear this a lot when it rains, it pours like, Totally. Professionally, personally, I think they all overlap so you can have this emergence as something totally different. Absolutely. And it really was. And uh, so these two, like two of the most important things aside from my son. Now I will say for me, I was, um, another thing that I learned about this experience is that I had put so much, you know, put way too much effort, you know, into and those two areas of my life had taken up almost my entire life. Um, which is another thing that I had to learn. Um, mm, okay. How to live, how to live, how to live. <laughs> how to live. Yeah, like um, have a relationship yes. with yourself and how to play. Right. Okay, I like that. Yes. And um, so I've just gone through I've these two, two of the most important things to me in my life at the time um, have now exited my life abruptly, right? So um, I'm sat here and I'm thinking, all right, I really don't, I I'm ready to take on, uh, I want to start my own company. I knew that. And I knew I was not going to go and try to get a job. Um, I had a couple people reach out to me and, you know, I kind of always kept it on the back burners, like a just in case. So I remember having some interviews and every time I was just like, ugh, I just do not even want to do this, but I had some interviews and I knew that I wasn't going to end up doing it, but I went through the process anyway. Cause you just, you know, I still am a single mother and I still have a responsibility to like feed my child. Right. So, yeah. um, and it's scary to not have a salary. I mean, that's once terrifying, you're it, it's very terrifying. But, um, I think having a belief in yourself and knowing how much work you've put in that, um, and this is, I want to touch on this. It's like you said to me in the first you know, few months, I doubled my income. Of having- doubled my income. Yep. So within being out of that hole, right? So I, you know, I within that thir- first ninety days, I had doubled my doubled my salary, um, which was a huge accomplishment for me. Uh, it's a huge accomplishment for anybody to even if you're going. Can we just out- all round of applause because that <laughs> is the biggest fear everyone has. But when you take that like leap of faith in yourself and it pay- and it pays. That's like yes. the best feeling in the whole world. Like you did it, girl. Go. Thank girl. you. Thank Go. you. Yes, it was wild. And um, I was so proud. And, you know, I had an amazing, amazing um, first year in business. And um, it's been incredible. And yeah, then- tell about your TikTok. Um, oh my gosh, TikTok. Okay, so before TikTok really became a huge trend, um, I got approached by someone who was, you know, trying to pitch a concept to um, Elf, um, Elf Cosmetics. And, um, we, you know, they, they had mentioned that they were like interested in TikTok and, you know, nobody really knew the platform. I had only worked with it organically on a couple of, on a couple of brands over that past summer, actually, because TikTok really hadn't taken storm yet on the brand side. It was really still, you know, very like, okay, well, this is like the super Gen Z. Now, something that's interesting about, um, BoxyCharm is that they actually have a huge Gen Z customer base, um, as well. And so, you know, I know Gen Z very well and, um, it's something that, you know, obviously I had a lot of experience with, but I had only dabbled a little bit in TikTok, but, um, you know, this marketing company came to me, Movers and Shakers, who are incredible, an incredible duo. Um, and they were like, Hey, we need to pitch elf, but we've never really worked in beauty before. And, you know, we'd love your help. So, you know, we worked together on this concept and, um, basically like created 
the first mega viral campaign to happen uh, in the in beauty on TikTok. So the to date, it has five, over five billion views. Um, five billion. Five billion views. Y'all, we're talking about bees. Bees, honey, bees. I got bees in the house. So crazy. I mean, I remember. So crazy. I, that, what is that number? I mean, it was insanity. I, I've never seen anything like it. And I remember I flashed back because I remember being told at one of the previous companies that I worked for, um, I tend to have this habit of, you know, not staying in my lane, quote unquote, you know, which is what I think part of what makes me a great founder. But um, I was told that I, I remember at one of the companies, um, you know, by a man, of course, that, you know, I needed to stay in my lane and I did not know marketing. Wait, and I remember. What? <laughs> yes. He said, you do not understand marketing and you need to stay in your lane. Someone used the word stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Oh, yes. Wow. You're like, this is not... 1960. Right. What year is it? (laughs) Yeah. What generation all gap did you miss out on? Wow. That is, yes, that is. Okay. So you laughed. So that was a very proud moment. Now I had always worked in marketing based merchandising companies. So I actually do know marketing. I don't do technical. I didn't at the time do technical or tactical marketing. So I'm more of a big picture visionary person. Um, in general, but I come up with viral campaigns. This is something that I've done throughout the course of my entire career. I know what trends, I know, you know, I just innately, I can't describe it. It just is what it is. It's a gift that I was given, right? And something that I've nurtured over time. And so I remember having that moment of like, five billion views, huh? Like, <laughs> I mean, at that point, you're like, about I can pretty much do anything. And that was on a platform that nobody had cracked yet. I mean, I think at the time they really had only, a TikTok was just getting into these mega campaigns. And I think they had a really successful like Chipotle campaign. I think Walmart had done one. I mean, there were only a handful. Like I remember because this is like in the very beginning and TikTok was like, yeah, we're still kind of like, you know, getting like feeling, feeling our way through everything. Right. And they had had some successful campaigns, but none had happened in beauty yet that were that successful. Um, And so it really set the stage for really where we're at because that particular campaign created a specific virality because there were a lot of Instagram influencers that were just joining TikTok. A lot of those Instagram influencers were sharing their TikTok content organically across both platforms. So the, like the brand like blew up, like, I mean, Elf has always been huge and their CMO is phenomenal. Um, and she's just a brilliant marketer, but she, uh, they were already experiencing success, but like this TikTok thing, like set them on fire. Um, yeah, it was amazing. It was an amazing experience to be a part of. I'm so proud to have worked with the movers and shakers team. And we still do some things here together from time to time. And it's, it's amazing. Um, and it's something I'm very proud of to have worked on with them. And, and so what, so what are you doing now? So, I mean, you wanted to like launch, but you couldn't cause you, you, you didn't even like put up like a website up or anything and you <laughs> had like tons of people coming to you. You're like, uh, I need to launch this company, but it's already, you're already fully going. Yeah, it was wild. Um, I've been in, I had been in business for a year and my website, um, is launching basically in, in a month. Um, I didn't have a website. I had no, like, like no real, not even updated for a long time for like six months. My LinkedIn wasn't even updated. Like that's where I was at. I was just, you were that busy. I was that busy and I was taking on so many projects. And I also wanted to 
really hone in on what my, what my platform was going to be. And so when I talk about making lemonade, and again, it kind of reflects everything that I've been talking about thus far, there's two sides to it, right? There's my brand development side where I work with, you know, emerging beauty brands. I really focus a lot on female founders because uh, empowering women is just something that's always been very important to me. And surprisingly, you know, they're the, the cosmetics <laughs> industry, you know, is obviously mostly women. However, it's very male led still. Like if you actually just do a Google search of, you know, who the main CEOs and executives are of some of these larger companies, you'll be surprised at how many men are actually in, in these companies, um, running them and leading them. And so it's really important for me to really help women to, you know, build their companies to the best of their ability. Right. And so, um, that's one of the main things that I focus on. So on the brand side, I really focus on helping them with, you know, creating better product, um, you know, fulfilling their pipeline, filling their pipeline with products that are actually going to sell out. Um, and then building basically viral marketing campaigns surrounding them and helping them with just kind of building and scaling their company. So everything that I've done with every company, you know, grow, scale, empower, trend, um, and get the best product out there to market. That's really one of the big things that I focus on on the brand side. And then the consumer side of what I'm really focusing on with this is empowered beauty community, which this is the one that I'm really excited the most about. And um, as much as I love working with brands and I'm obsessed with marketing brands and I will always do it, um, my real focus has evolved over the past year because I really want to help people that are like me, you know, people that there are so many people that want to get into the beauty industry. There are so many people that want to learn about beauty and how it works. There is no real resources. It's better now than it has been, but you know, it goes beyond, you know, just giving information. I really believe that if we empower and educate the consumer enthusiasts, influencers, brands, aspiring professionals, if we empower them with the right education, we, it's a win-win for everybody because what's happening is, is when you, when I've worked with a number of brands, you realize how many people who are actually working at brands that don't have a lot of technical beauty education or knowledge or product knowledge. And you would be shocked to know that there are many people that are working, running, creating beauty products that don't have a lot of education not even formally, but even informal education surrounding what's going on in the market, what consumers want. Um, you know, there's a lot of data that lives out there that, you know, brands buy and, you know, things like that, tons of trend companies. But I mean, like truly understanding, you know, the functionality of a product and truly understanding how that affects the customer, what the customer is looking for, what the audience is looking to see um, there. And you would be shocked. And so, yeah that side of it. There's the influencer side of it, which there are just so many influencers that are incredible um, product educators and they have so much knowledge and, you know, but they don't know how to, you know, market themselves. And so you've got these incredible talented content creators that, you know, don't know how to grow a channel or they do know how to grow a channel, but then they don't have the, you know, the industry side of what actually happens. So there's a lot of misinformation that happens and of course, you know, all the drama channels, the tea channels, there's just so much ugly out there that my goal is really, if we, if we create a level of transparency and connection between influencers, brands, consumers, enthusiasts, you know, we'll create a community together that is more empowered and more educated and therefore kinder. Because and also like, just like products that aren't killing us, like 
how weird is it? I mean, I don't know if I have these numbers right, but in Europe, there's like 1,400 or 2,000 um, chemicals that are banned from beauty products. Yep. The list in America is under 150. Absolutely. So like these brands don't care about you, you know? So being with brands that are consulting with women who want these educational brands and these different things. I mean, I'm hypersensitive about beauty. And it was funny because I was talking to someone who's at a VC who's like um, amazing. And I'm like, so are you guys do? She said, we're starting a beauty um, pr product company. And I said, oh, well, is it like all organic or green? Or she's like, no, it's the opposite. Like we're actually creating things that have tons of science behind it. But I know I trust her in that, like the science and the synthesized things that they're going to make, I still would trust her to create a product that's for the consumer. And so like, yeah, you can have synthesized things and it's not all like anti-anti chemicals all the time necessarily. But at what point do the people making the products care about the people consuming them? Not just with how they're marketing them to us and building the brands, but in what the actual product is. And I love that. And so how did you come up with the name making lemonade? So <laughs> Yeah. So one quick thing before I jump into that. Yeah. Sorry. You're, no, 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 you're fine. You're, you said a couple of interesting things. Greenwashing is a huge issue in this industry right now. Huge. It's uh, in every industry right now. It's in every industry, but it's really huge in this industry right now. And science is not bad to your point. Um, but it's the type of science, what's used, the type of chemicals are, and there's also a lot of, again, misinformation, miseducation. So yep. We're hearing chemicals are bad. Well, not all, you know, not every piece of science is bad, right? So it's no, like- Oh, and some of them are synthesized from plants. I mean, like- Correct. Ugh. Correct. Yes, so exactly that. Great points, basically. And that's part of what this platform is going to be, is going to be coming from. Um, so the name, the name, journey of the name. Oh my gosh. Naming <laughs> this company was a disaster. Um, <laughs> I could not think of anything. And I remember being very frustrated because it really does set the branding tone. You know, once you have that name, you can really dive into the branding. Right. And, um, you know, I thought about a million different things and I thought about really what I'm known for, you know, in general. And the reality of this company is that my goal of, of creating this platform and even on the brand development side is my I have an innate ability to identify basically the lemons or the issues that are going on in pretty much any company um, and taking that or taking something that is like, you know, untapped, right? So like the TikTok thing as an example and turning it into lemonade. And that is something that I've been consistently known for is like Donna is the girl that you need if you, um, you know, don't know how to do something, don't know what to do, or you have an issue, you have a problem. And she's the one that you go to that will turn it into lemonade. And when you think about all of the companies that I've, you know, turned around businesses and amplified, it really all started with a lemon, right? Like, okay, what's the problem? And, or is there a problem or is there an opportunity? It's not always a problem. Sometimes it's an opportunity or something that I'm able to distort. And, you know, how do I take that, find that special thing and turn it into lemonade? And sometimes I get to even make limoncello. <laughs> I love that. And it's also like not just making it, it's like the process of you're finding it because even at HSN, you're like, what is up with this digital platform? And they're like, what? You know, like yep. you're like generation, you know, yeah, you know, we got to like yeah. look at these things and these companies. And sometimes it just takes a fresh set of eyes, but I think it also takes someone who's really smart and, can, and you, you have a son who's young. And so you're, you'll always kind of be tapped into that totally. younger thing. So, I mean, you're, you're in a great position to, Thank to do you. this. And yeah. I, I mean, I'm I, really trying to give the, the, the end goal of this company is to give everybody the opportunity and the empowerment and the understanding that it does not nothing, none of what your circumstances 
are your limitations or your perceived limitations. Like the only limitations that you have are the ones that you put on yourself. I mean, I cannot tell you the amount of mentoring that I've done with people that, you know, they didn't apply for a job because they saw that you had to have X degree. And I said, well, I don't have any degree. And I became the vice president of a 200 plus million dollar company. <laughs> And so, so what do you think are the most important steps or belief systems besides just thinking, okay, maybe I'm smarter than I think I am, which I tell everybody all the time, everyone's <laughs> smarter than they think that they are. Um, yeah. who's willing to do the work to uncover your intelligence. Um, but what do you think are some of the most important steps to self-actualizing or fulfilling your potential? You know, what do you wish you'd known before you started your career? What would you tell your younger self? before you started all of this or are you like actually the journey was exactly what it needed to be i mean I'm, there must be the journey was definitely what it needed to be i would say that the biggest thing and the biggest the biggest obstacle that i find most people have a struggle with is the art of doing and they just don't do like they they have the idea they have the thought they have everything is checking all the boxes but then they don't actually do it and it's sometimes dance around it Yep. And we think that we're doing it because we're like going through this process of creating or going through this process of like, here's what I would need to do, but they don't actually take the first step. And the biggest thing is the scariest part. I'm actually kind of afraid of heights, right? And zip lining. And once I actually jumped off of, you know, the platform, I was, it was the best time of my life. But zip lining. Sorry, you cut out a minute. So she's talking terrifying. about zip lining. Terrifying. But the, the scariest part was the jump off of the platform. Once I jumped off the platform, I was fine. And I had the best time ever, but I was terrified to jump off that platform. And most people don't take that jump. And that is the biggest obstacle that I find with most people, right? Um, is they just don't take the jump and they think that they have, or they maybe take a little step. They don't just jump all in. And that's one thing that I will say that I think that I do really well is that no matter what, even if I don't know, or I don't think that I can, I just do. And so I, always well, I think also once you're a teen mom, you're kind of like not afraid of anything too. Cause you're like, I've done the hardest <laughs> thing ever. Yeah. You're like, well, I guess I'm just doing this. Um, I think it was, just, it was a sh that and sheer determination. And I think that's, again, we go back to sometimes I think we overanalyze um, and that I am very, very guilty of over -ana analysis paralysis, right? Um, very, very guilty of that. But I think sometimes we just, you know, miss the art of just actually doing something and doing something with what we're thinking that we want to do. And we let all of these things talk us out of it, right? And, um, and it is scary. And sometimes we're not willing to make the sacrifices either. I mean, most people would not be willing to take, you know, a 30, 40, 50 or thousand dollar pay cut and, um, you know, try to, you know, just to do it, you know, and to make this happen. I mean, when you look at most entrepreneurs, that's the, the big differentiators that they're willing to do it and um, they're willing to sacrifice. And it's understandable when you're not, because it is a lot of sacrifice. And there were many days where I wish that I could have done things differently. And many times when, you know, I mean, I remember my credit card declining at the zoo, you know, and it's like, oh my God, like I'm taking my son to the zoo and my, my debit card declined because, you know, I was making nothing and I didn't have it. I truly didn't have the money. And some very kind person, you know, just brought me tickets and said, like, take your son to the zoo. You know, they didn't know my circumstance. They didn't know why my card declined. They're like, take your son to the zoo. And, um, you know, these are moments that I am, you know, sometimes even mortified to share, but it's, it's important things because it was a sacrifice and, you know, it wasn't just me that had to sacrifice. Yes. Like I had to make decisions sometimes that meant that, you know, I couldn't, 
you know, overspend on things that I would want to or shower my son with additional gifts or, you know, experiences that I would have liked for him to have. But now, you know, we are so close and, um, you know, he and I have the best relationship and, you know, we don't take anything for granted because, you know, now that I have, you know, the success and I've worked my way to where I am, you know, it's, he appreciates everything so much more and, um, I appreciate everything so much more and it's, it's special, you know? So yeah, I mean, I, he must be incredibly empowered by watching the journey that you were on from being a little, you know, being little and watching you go from, you know, retail all the way now to CEO of your job. And I, I think that's a good lesson for young people out there is like, people are afraid, like you said, of just like starting, like all, everyone just wants to be like the CEO of a company. It's like, well, just start somewhere and start where they're willing to hire you, you know? Yeah. And, and just, and there's a few other, uh, other people who have like done this where they started retail and they're, they're all the way up to either CEOs of that company um, or, or, or running their own thing. But all of those lessons that you had, all those things where you're like, well, that was a mistake. It was a lesson or you wish you'd done it differently. Well, that's where you learn. So yes. those you are those you learn. Have, and if you're not doing, you're not learning. So exactly. Right. And I think, so, yep. And I think for me, my son, you know, my son and I, you know, we, you're right. I mean, he spends, you know, I, I mean, I remember like, you know, when I got my first contract, you know, from, after right out of the gate, you know, from leaving, leaving BoxyCharm and, you know, I was in New York and I was running, I will never forget this moment. I was running down the streets of New York and I was, I called my mom and, you know, my son was with, was with her. And I was like, I got it. I had just gotten the email that they were going to sign on. And I was like, I got it. I got the contract. I got it. I got my first, like, I was like, and it was a, you know, five figure contract, which is amazing right out of the gate. Right. I'm like, I got my first contract. I got, I did it. And I'm screaming in Soho. I'm like, like on the phone. And this woman walks by me and she goes, yes. She's like, I'm swear this like adorable little old, like, like 80 year old woman. She goes, yes, sweetie, you work it. Like, she's like, you, get it. you get it. You know, you get yours. And I was like, I was like, you know, and my son got on the phone and he was just like, I'm so proud of you, you know? And like, I mean, at the time, you know, this he was like 13. It's like only a year ago, but you know, that, was the moment, you know, and that's what I should have felt when I got that promotion to VP, right? Because that was even, you know, that was a huge promotion for me. And this moment was like pure elation because I knew that I had done this myself. I knew that I had gotten this on my own and I knew I was going to take this brand to another level, which I did. And I just was, there's always this moment of like, am I going to be able to do this? And um, it wasn't a fluke. And I knew at that moment that it was not. And I, from that moment on, I knew that there was nothing that I couldn't do. And that is the, the thing that I want to instill in as many women as possible is that there is nothing that you cannot do. Like there is not one thing, like if you want it, you will get it. And if you are persistent, it's, there's this, this uh, you are persistent, you will get it. And if you are consistent, you will keep it. And that is like, and just get started, you know, just start, just do it, just do it. And it's Just worth do it. it. Just it's do scary. it. My, my worst days. And I very, I'm very honest on my own personal social because I have my own social and then I'm launching my making lemonade co. Okay. Yeah. So let's drop your handles now. Cause where can people find you? How can people okay. work with you? If they want, if they have a brand and they want you, how can they find you? Yes. Okay. So, um, my personal Instagram is at color me, Donna color C O L O U R. M-E-D-O-N-N-A. Um, I always have to say add the U because people always forget the U. So you can 
reach me there. That is um, my personal Instagram. My professional, the Making Lemonade Co. will be live by the, probably by the time this airs. So that's going to be at Making Lemonade Co. Um, and then my website, um, which will also be live by the time this airs, I'm sure, is www.makinglemonade.co. Um, and you can reach out to me on any of those platforms and, and obviously on LinkedIn too, just Donna Lopez. Um, and all of, those, all of those will be in the description. Yeah. And so if you want to follow me on my personal, that's really where I go into a lot of these stories. Like if you follow me there, I'm, I'm very honest on that, on stories. I actually, it's funny because people are like, do you ever do like on my stories and everything that I do, i show the, the ugly. Like, I mean, I, I get on my show. Like if I'm having a really bad day, you'll see me, you know, with like my bottle of wine next to me. <laughs> in the afternoon with my hair on the side of my head and like mascara running down my face. Like I show those things as part of the journey because I think we have a really bad habit as a society of only showing the highlights. And I like to show the entire journey, good, bad, and ugly. And I do a lot of, um, you know, I tell a lot of these micro stories of like what we've talked about today um, throughout my posts. And I kind of reference a lot of these things and lessons that I've learned throughout my, my career and business tips, et cetera. So that's where you'll see that. And then on the Making Lemonade Co. side, that's where you'll see all of the beauty, um, the beauty education and the, you know, business empowerment and um, it's the platform, it's the community. So I would love for you guys to join the community um, on both sides. If you want the personal side or you want the professional side. I would love to have you as part of both. So. I think we all want both at this point. Um, <laughs> I, I think we've gone over time. Yeah, so a little I'm bit. Gonna, Sorry. But I, but I can't leave without asking you my favorite question. Okay. So this can either be personal or professional, or you can answer it for each of them. Um, if you could have one magical blessing, like come down and you know, expand your life in some way, what would it be? Whoo, girl. <laughs> I mean, it's um, my favorite question because no. put it out there, the universe starts manifesting and swirling to make it happen. You just have to resonate with that being. Okay. Choice. So on, on the professional side, um, I would love for the, the mentoring side of my business to expand um, because I love mentoring people. And so I guess the magical blessing for me on this side was obviously that, that, the message, I'm not even going to ask for like big growth or anything. I want the message of making lemonade to really resonate and to really come across. So mostly the blessing of making sure that my words are, um, you know, it's a lot of, this is obviously all me, but, um, and members of my team, of course, but you know, the, the words and the message of making lemonade really comes through. So it's more so like, please, please put the blessing upon me to make sure that my words are you know, really going to bring this message to life and that people are empowered and educated, you know, by this platform. Cause that's the goal of it. Like regardless of growth, even if there's five people that follow it, like are those five people feel like this is actually benefiting their life? That's well, what we know according to your history that there will be growth. So that's on the, on the professional side, on the personal side, I'm going to be really honest. Um, you know, I definitely, I'm, I'm really excited to, I actually really want, um, on the personal side of my life, I say there's two things, you know, I've over the past few years, because I've, of the, the nature of the jobs that I've had, you know, I've really neglected the personal side of my life, um, you know, learning things that I actually love to do. And this has actually been an interesting journey over the past year. Um, so I would say that on the personal side is that I, the blessing that I really want is that I want to maintain my balance, even though I am like 
you know, building a company from scratch, the ground up, et cetera, because I do know how I get when I get really entrenched in a new company. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that the blessing that comes to me is that um, the lessons that I have learned, the hard lessons that I have learned over the past, you know, 10, you know, 10 plus years where I did sort of sell my soul to, you know, my, the career side of my life that um, I have actually learned the lessons, which I do believe I have, but actually learned the lessons and um, that I'm able to maintain that balance and, you know, be able to really expand my, uh, my personal, my personal hobbies, which I know sounds kind of cheesy and silly. No, actually, I love that. Yeah. Because you know what? If you don't learn the lessons that you've been handed, you're going to keep getting them and you'll just get them in different forms. So that's when it's such an amazing blessing to ask for is that you don't have to keep, you don't have to get any of the lessons you've already learned. Right. Because that essentially frees your time. So you can- Exactly. I love that. Full circle. Go, girl. Okay, good. I was like, this is kind of a a dorky answer, but I'm really into it. Sometimes I like taking, sometimes people say things and then you just have to like, they can seem like very- um, obvious, but they're not, you know, like people right. don't really understand that they keep getting the same lesson just in six different people or six different jobs. Right. So yep. that, that's a beautiful lesson for a lot of us to kind of take note in our own diaries. Like what's my next lesson, you know, is the yeah. next lesson to like do things that I love to do, you know, and does that, br- by the way, doing things that you love to do brings you the right people in your community. And right. that's, that, that's such a blessing to have community because I think we have a loss of community for sure. So we do. Oh my gosh. Thank you no. so much thank for your time you. and stories and insight. And I mean, I know you and I are going to have more segments on this. I like to do this podcast where the goal is we're going to do the podcast and then um, I'll do a session with all men and then we're going to check back in with a lot of the guests, the females from the first um, season. So hopefully we can check back Love in that. and see where you're at with making lemonade. And I mean, just thank you for being a part of creating business and a career that has awareness as part of your journey. I do think people like you can, you know, create authentic and effective changes. You show us how to turn dreams into reality. And I think just thank you for your time. Thank you. And honestly, it was, it's such an honor and I'm more than happy to come back anytime. Um, and I, I'll do better next time to keep my answers shorter. <laughs> this is the problem with women. We're like, I'm sorry. I wasn't perfect. It's not about perfect. I, I, you know, if this is a two hour podcast, people have every ability to press that 15 second forward. That's true. You know, that's like, right. The longer, the better. <laughs> and you, we have to stop apologizing for ourselves. Ladies, like we, we are, we made a space at this table. We are going to move over. Like everyone make room because we are allowed to take as long as we want. And that you can't is- shut me up, sweetie. <laughs> you, you don't need to apologize for a thing. You are amazing. And you, and I am think so many people are going to benefit from hearing your story. I am so glad. Thank you. Seriously for everything. This has been great. I was actually like therapeutic a little bit. <laughs> Nothing in this podcast is a recommendation. Hey, all you sea stars, goddesses, naiads, and Neptunes, aka the paradisiacs who care about the important stuff. 
I hope you all found some inspiration today and I hope to have your beautiful souls back for our next episode. This podcast supports a beautiful group of humans who gather on full moons and to find a link for Howl and Heal and for our website with these episodes, details, and blog, head to themelroseshow.com. You can also connect with me on IG at Melrose Wild or at the Melrose Podcast. Again, this is Melrose. I hope after you listen to this conversation, you feel some magic brewing in your own destiny. Thank you for listening and please subscribe or follow us to get updates on new episodes. And if you love this podcast, the best compliment is to rate us with five stars and maybe leave a little love note about how this podcast might be helping you. Have a wonderful day and may the forces of wholeness and growth be with you all. Our failures, letting them go. That is, we need to learn to do that more because that's why they happen, you know, so that you can Absolutely. teach people. So go, go girl. That is there. It is therapy. We are, we need to be therapy for each other. So thank you again. Exactly. And, and thank um, you. amazing. Oh, thank you.